right, let's go ahead and get started. How about stand with me tonight as we open up in prayer? Thank you for being with us online tonight. Um, I know that you're tempted to have the Ranger game on. If you do that, go ahead and watch the service tonight. Uh, good thing is we'll get out of here if you're into the Ranger ball game and you'll be able to get out of here and the score will already be wherever it is, you know. But uh, how many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. If you're online, if you'll comment, we want to pray with you as well. Again, we continue praying for everything that's going on in our world today. Again, very crazy, uh, chaotic time. And we just, you know, as we move into the, the holiday season with Thanksgiving uh, and then with Christmas, you know, this is, the message of Jesus is still good tidings of great joy. And, and I pray, especially this year, that that is the message that's conveyed in a world that's filled with turmoil um, and lives that are filled with turmoil. Um, and let's pray for a re revival. Father, tonight, thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you for grace. Uh, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for, Lord, just being long-suffering. Uh, Lord, I just, uh, Lord, your goodness is shown throughout our lives and each day. And we thank you uh, for that. And I pray tonight as we open up and we begin this service, uh, Lord, we do so again in this month of Thanksgiving. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you uh, for the sacrifice that was made so that we might have life and have it in all of its fullness. And Lord, for the opportunity to bring our our needs to you. Uh, again, the access that you grant to us through Christ. Thank you for that. And we just pray tonight for those that need healing. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would touch bodies, uh, touch minds, touch the spirit, Lord, that you would heal, restore, renew, rejuvenate. Uh, Lord, do what needs to be done tonight for those that need some encouragement, those that need finances, Lord. Lord, there's not a need that you're not able to do something about. I pray for those that, again, just maybe tonight feel run down and just need something from you. Lord, I just pray that you would just just pour out your spirit upon us tonight, rejuvenate us and uh, saturate us, Lord, as we study your word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And Lord, as we teach and, and receive your word tonight, Lord, let it be uh, invigorating to us. Father, we pray for uh, Israel. We pray for the situations around the world, Lord, that again, in all of these things that you would be magnified and that you would make yourself known. Let people be saved, Lord, through the conflicts that we see around us. And Father, we pray for all the ministries uh, happening on campus tonight. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted and lifted high. And Father, we pray for revival in our land. Lord, let it happen with us. Let it begin in our spirits, Lord. Re revive us again that you might, uh, Lord, we, we, that we might rejoice in you. And Lord, we ask you to renew your works in our day. Be with us in our study. Open our hearts. Let us hear what the Spirit says. We commit it to you now in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. God bless you. you may be seated tonight. Uh, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10. And while you're turning there, a couple of announcements. Don't forget the men's breakfast on Saturday. Guys, uh, 8 o'clock here in the Family Life Center. Uh, love for you to come out and be a part of that. Also, uh, next Thursday is our uh, next food distribution at Yellow Jacket Stadium. Uh, the one during it, it, Thanksgiving would have been our next one after that. We are actually moving it a week. It'll be the 29th, I believe, uh, now. And uh, we, we've pushed it back a week just to uh, accommodate Thanksgiving, of course. Um, there was something else. Oh, don't forget, uh, we, uh, we have our fam, our fam, I can't even say that, our fam ministry, family and marriage ministry. They're doing their uh, Friendsgiving uh, next Friday night on the 11th, uh, no, 10th, I'm sorry, the 10th. 
And then our seniors are doing a get-together at the barn on the 11th at 1 o'clock. So uh, go ahead and mark that. This, uh, this, I don't, I don't want to say it'll be a farewell event. <laughs> that sounds so final. But uh, uh, they wanted to gather one more time at the barn. And, uh, and so if you've never experienced the barn, maybe you're new in our church family, it was a fantastic ministry that went for many years. It started initially as a prayer gathering. When my wife had her stroke in 2012, they started a prayer vigil at the Sanders barn, and that turned into an every Friday night gathering that had sometimes up to 80 people or more that gathered out there. They ate, and boy, did they eat good. <laughs> uh, they worshiped. They prayed. Uh, there were miracles that took place. I mean, it was a fantastic ministry. Uh, we're hoping that the fam has a little bit of that connection. Uh, but anyway, that's going on on, the, on on November the 11th at 1 o'clock at the barn. There'll be some handouts of some sort. You'll be able to get the address if you don't know where it's at. It's in the east side of Cleburne. Uh, but uh, it would be a good thing to go do. If, even if you've never done it, uh, it would be a good event to go and be a part of. Um, there was one other thing, and it just, uh, anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> Maybe I'll remember. Uh, let's go ahead, and, and, and we're, on our, we're in our series on, oh, I was going to tell you, see, I told you when I start talking, I'll remember. Uh, so, so if you haven't heard, uh, Callie had her baby uh, on Monday, and uh, talked to her today, uh, maybe coming home, maybe tomorrow or Friday. Uh, Jameson uh, Kinder, and uh, they're doing well. He had to be in a uh, uh, NICU for a couple of days, uh, but everything's fine, and they'll be coming home. And with that in mind, uh, of course, Callie, if you don't know, they were our children's pastors, uh, uh, have been serving since uh, uh, Marie left uh, a few years ago, a couple years ago. Uh, we do have a new children's pastor that will start Sunday, and I'll introduce him uh, Sunday morning. We've been looking for over a year um, for someone, and I believe that God has uh, sent us a, a person that I'm excited to get going. Callie's excited to now be a mom, and uh, after, you know, it's a miracle baby. Again, one day we have to get her to share a story. It's a miracle baby, uh, long time planning, long time coming, and uh, God's good. You know, I mean, he is. You know, we say it, uh, all, but he is good. And I'm thankful for his provision. I'm thankful for his loving care. Uh, so, so to say that, let's get right into our Standing on the Promises uh, series tonight. And probably only have a couple more weeks of this. We, uh, uh, I think we're in week number six, uh, maybe seven. We're looking at the promises of God. And again, we live in a world today that tests, how many believe, it tests us. It tests our faith. It tests our resolve and there are promises that you and I have that God has made. And if we don't know them, you know, uh, the, the old adage is, and, and, and somebody had counted, so they, they say there's 7,487 positive promises of God in the Bible. That's, about, uh, that's one out of every four verses of Scripture uh, that is a promise of God. Those are things we need to grab hold of and hang on because when the wind assails, when the storms rage, having the promises of God brings assurance, and that's what we've been talking about. So uh, tonight we're going to be looking at a promise. It's an interesting one. Uh, we're going to be talking about temptation, God's promise regarding temptation. 
Uh, I can quote this, but I'm going to put my glasses on and look official. So 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, such as common to man, except such as common to man. But God is what? God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let's read that again. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. May the Lord add his blessing to his word uh, tonight. So again, as we get into our promise uh, tonight, we're going to be, again, we've talked about a number of things we, uh, as, as far as promises of God, but we're going to look at victory over temptation. How many know that, that, that as, a, as a child of God, we are not a doormat for the devil? We, we, we're not. We were not called to be doormats. And I know there are a lot of people today that live their life as though the, 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 our adversary has, has authority over us. That's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, and, and, and I think that, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded uh, that greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. Uh, and, and we have to live that way. You know, Oscar Wilde is the one noted to have said, I can resist anything except... Anybody know? Temptation. I can resist anything except temptation. And, and if you know anything about his story, his life, <laughs> he certainly lived up to that. Uh, but then you had C.S. Lewis who said, no man knows how bad he is until he has tried to be good. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in what C.S. Lewis said. Oscar Wilde was really not an outlier because uh, we all feel the pull of temptation, right? I mean, every one of us uh, again, we, we sometimes group temptations in certain things, and we say, well, this is badder, badder. <laughs> Sister LaFon, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this, is wor- this is worse than this, and, and so we categorize. But, but temptation is temptation. We might be tempted to lose our temper. We might be tempted to uh, lie on our income tax uh, form. We might, again, there's all kinds of things that we're tempted to do. We might be tempted to run that red light and say it was yellow. You know, temptation. Um, so resisting uh, an evil impulse is truly one of the, one of those easier said than done things, right? You ever been in a situation where it's easy to talk about resisting and overcoming, but when you're put in that situation, it's altogether different. See, when the heat is applied, it's another story. You know, anybody can beat their chest and, and, and talk about how strong they are and how devoted they are, but when the heat is applied, it, it really is a different matter altogether. Again, C.S. Lewis was spot on with his words because at the moment of decision, we either are going to give in to our passions or we're going to do the right thing. You know, again, that, that's it. There, there, there's not multiple choice. I was disturbed a little bit today. I was filling out a form online. It was a government form. And so when I was completing this form, it asked me the question. It said, uh, it said, what is your sex? And I, and I hit to answer, you know, my chromosomes. I went to put that in there and there were four options. And then the next question after that was, what is your gender? And there was about 10. And, and I just, I, I, I paused for a minute and I thought, anyway, I won't tell you what I thought. I just, it was just really, really ridiculous to me 
And there was a point to that, and it, I was trying to illustrate something. Um, anyway, let's move, move on. It'll come back to me in a minute. Um, the, the point being, we live in a time when everything around us is pulling for, at us. Temptations are everywhere. And, and again, many people feel today, if you were to talk, we have a lot of believers today that, that feel they, they live as though they're defeated. And, and, and if you look at their lives, many feel that fighting temptation is a losing battle. It's like, well, that's just, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I've always been. Well, again, God came to change the way we am. He came to change us, give us a new nature. And there is that war that goes on. I mentioned this a little bit on Sunday, that we, that, that we war against. We have the old sinful man and the new man in Christ, and they are constantly battling with one another. And, and, and so, again, uh, we may feel like it's a losing battle, but the truth of the matter is we desire to walk in victory, right? And it's available to us. It's a promise that God has given to us. You know, you know here's the thing. I don't think any people, I, I, I've never met anybody that planned to give in to temptation, I've never had anybody say, well, you know, I think I'm going to go out there and put myself in a very sticky situation, and I'll probably fail, and I'll probably give in. I've never had anybody say that. I've had people say, Pastor, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do everything I can to stay out of that situation. I think most people want to win. I think most believers want to walk in victory. See, the Bible teaches that we always have a way out. God promises a way out. That's where our text comes in tonight. We always have a way out. Some of you might remember many years ago, I used to have this saying here at the church, and, and, and it's just for visualization. And, it, and the saying I always had is, you can't kill a cockroach in a corner with a round-toed boot. And, and you think about that. You can't. There's always a way out. And, and that's the thing with temptation. You know, the Bible teaches that there is always a way out. God promises that. Let, and, and so let's begin with a couple of things. First of all, let's be, be, begin with the fact that we, again, we were born with a sin nature. And that sin nature that we have, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, it, 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 it rebels against God. Again, it's, it's struggling and fighting against God. The Bible is filled. I mean, one of the things I love about the Bible is it tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and it doesn't sugarcoat things, right? I mean, the Bible is filled with people whom we consider heroes of faith, men and women that were renowned for faithful things, and yet, if you look at a lot of their stories, they succumb to the power of temptation. I mean, you think about Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had, no, I'm sorry, he had many, his father, what did he do? He lied about his wife. Remember? Twice. And then you have Sarah. Sarah lied to God. Lot compromised in Sodom. Jacob cheated his brother. Moses struck a rock in defiant anger. Elijah complained against God. David committed adultery and then authorized murder. Jonah ran away from God. Peter denied the Lord. I mean, over and over again, we find story after story of these people that we, that we look at as heroes of faith, and yet they succumb to the power of temptation. In fact, Peter, uh, to the point where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to the will of God. You're, you're, you're a stumbling block. And yet, what a hero. What a man Peter was and Moses. You know, these heroes, the thing I love about the, the, their stories is they were flawed like we are. 
You know, I think sometimes we read their stories and we, we put them on a pedestal as though they were somehow, you know, super uh, spiritual and, and, and had superhuman spirituality, whatever you want to, however you want to label that. They weren't. They were flawed men, flawed women. What happened to them can happen to us, and often it does happen to us. And I think we struggle because temptation, you know, from my experience, temptation tends to hit us when we least expect it. I, I, I'll, I'll be very transparent with you. One of the, uh, for me, down, down through the course of my life, since I recommitted my life to Christ, I'm vulnerable when I'm tired. I'm vulnerable when I'm tired. When I'm exhausted, fatigued, that tends to be when, when the enemy rushes in to kind of trip me up and to ensnare me. I, for, for you, it's probably different. But for me, that, w- that was, his, that was his, his pattern. Um, you know, if we could schedule temptations, it would be really good, right? You know, <laughs> but that's not how it works. Temptation comes, and it usually hits us in moments that we least expect it. And, and again, this is where our text comes in tonight. <clears throat> and, and this is one of those scriptures that I think we should all commit to memory. Because it's one of the promises that we have in God's word among the many. It's one of the promises. He says, Paul writing to the Corinthian believers, he said, No temptation has overtaken you uh, except what is common to man. But God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up and bear it. That's a great promise. There are three observations real quick about this verse. Number one, I think the first observation that we need to recognize is that temptation is the common experience of all Christians. It's the common experience of all Christians. You know, here, here's the thing. You never get to a level spiritually where you're not going to be tempted. You know, the Bible says we have an adversary who's who's like a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And he will, he will not stop because you pass, you know, you get your AARP card or your Medicare card. You know, age, he knows no, no limits with age. It's, it has, it's, it's immaterial when it comes to temptation. So the first observation from our scripture tonight is that, that temptation is the common experience of all believers. If you say, well, you know what, I'll be glad one day when I'm not, when I'm not tempted. Well, what you're really saying is, I'll be glad when I'm dead. Because that, that, that really is the time that you won't be tempted anymore. Because as long as we breathe, as long as we live in this world, we're going to have temptation. Temptation. Now, now, here's the thing. I'll admit and acknowledge that temptation changes shapes across the years. You know, there are things that you might be tempted. You were, you may, maybe you were tempted when you were younger that doesn't have an appeal now. But there are new things. You know, again, the enemy is relentless. And he's going to always look for an opportunity to ruin and mar our testimony and to, uh, and, to, and, and, and to destroy us. Temptation never goes away completely. The second observation is that God will not allow, and I, again, this is according to what Paul said, God will not allow us to be put in a situation where we have to give in to sin. Again, you can't kill a cockroach in a corner with a round-toed boot. Can't do it. God will not allow us to be put into a situation where sin is the only option. Again, the pressure might be enormous, but God always provides a way out sooner or later. That's the promise. The third observation is this. 
And this is important pertaining to our scripture. God's way out does not necessarily remove us from the temptation. Think about it. But what it what, so what does it do? Well, it puts us in a position to endure it with grace. It may not remove us from the temptation, but it gives us the position where we can handle it with grace. Temptation is part and parcel to living in a fallen world. But again, with every temptation, God promises to give us what we need to resist it successfully. That is a promise. You know, I, I, if I had a nickel for every time somebody over the last 35 years has said, well, I just couldn't help myself. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody ever used that before? I just couldn't help myself. Yes, you could. I did a sermon many years ago. Some of you might remember. It's been a long time ago. And I, we went down to the, to the sign, uh, the traffic people and we I had different signs I I filled up the platform with just various signs and and my message was if a person goes to hell they've got to go to hell crossing over every sign every marker that God has put on the highway of life uh, trying to get us to avoid hell I mean you think about it when you're driving down the highway wouldn't it be a really bad deal if there were no signs Directional signs, informational signs. I mean, if you're driving down the freeway, uh, you know, the interstate, and, and, and you've been on the road for five hours, and you're hungry, and you need a bathroom break, and you're, you're, you're looking for a sign that has bathrooms and food. And it's so nice to have those signs up there. Well, God has placed signs on the road of life. And people that ignore them. And again, it's, it's a similar situation here. God promises to give us what we need when we need it, he'll give us direction. He'll give us, give us the signs to avoid falling into temptation. God's way out doesn't necessarily remove me. It just gives me the ability to endure it with grace. Flip Wilson was made known, made famous by saying what? Anybody remember? Devil made me do it. That's exactly right. <laughs> the devil made me do it. Uh, but that's wrong. It's wrong. We never have to give in to sin. I, I've always said that that's wrong because, you know, the, the, the devil can't make you do anything. Now, he can dangle a carrot and see if we're gullible enough to bite, but he can't make us do anything. It was a cop-out. God will never lead us to a place where, we, where our only choice is to sin. He'll never lead us to a place where our only choice is disobedience. We can't say, uh, listen, we always have a choice, right? We always have a choice. When we, when we do wrong, we can't say, well, you know, the devil made me do it. It's like Eve in the Garden of Eden. You know what she did? She chose to eat the forbidden fruit. She didn't have to. Sure, it looked good, sounded intriguing, but she didn't have to bite. And it's the same thing for us when we're talking about the promise of God to give us victory over temptation. We might be put in precarious places from time to time and in, in, and in enticing situations, but we don't have to fail. Paul said to the Romans that sin no longer has dominion over us. You know, we can't say, well, I just couldn't resist. No, you can resist. You can resist, and that's the whole point. You know, there's a there's a concept in war strategy, the military uh, strategy. It's called forward-leaning defense. Forward-leaning defense. And, and it, you go to war college, and you'll, you'll learn a little bit about forward-leaning defense. And what it is, basically, 
is this type of defense basically teaches you that you take the fight to the enemy as opposed to waiting for the bad guys to take you. It's offensive. You know, you, you initiate. You take the fight uh, to the enemy. You've made, uh, because if you wait for the bad guys to attack, you've made yourself an easy target. You know, it's, it's forward-leaning defense. Peter might have agreed with that statement and that strategy because, he, again, he writes in 1 Peter 5.8, he said, stay alert. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, what? It's like a roaring lion, always on the prowl, always looking for opportunity. And if you've ever watched any nature shows, you know, it's, a, it's fascinating how God created nature. Uh, you know, and you watch these big cats and how they, how they stalk their prey and, 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 and they're stealthy. And at, at the right moment, you know, they just pounce. That's exactly what the enemy does. That's exactly how he does. That's what temptation does. Um, you know, the Bible says that we're not unaware of his schemes. And one of, I believe one of his great tools that he uses is discouragement. Again, I, t- I told you that in my experience in my lifetime, I tend to, to be susceptible to, to that discouragement or the, the enticements of temptation when I'm tired, when I'm fatigued and, 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 and spent. It, that, that for, again, for me, for you it's probably different. But for me, that's where it is. You know, whether it's my mouth overloading me sometimes. You know, if I'm frustrated, my mouth tends to get me in trouble. I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> you know, again, when I, get, when I get tired, when I get fatigued, I tend to be short with my words and sometimes sharp. Because, again, and I have to, and I know that. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? We know it. <laughs> I don't have to go there. I see the stop sign, but I run it anyway, right? We have a promise that we don't have to be like that. The Bible, again, says we're not unaware of the schemes. His, he likes to discourage us. If he can get us discouraged to the point that we drop the weapon, our weapons and walk off the battlefield, guess what? He wins. If he can beat us down and get us so discouraged that we, we drop our weapons and walk off the battlefield, he wins. He wins. That's why he attacks us in a thousand different ways. And you know, the reality is he doesn't fight fair. How many's learned that yet? He doesn't fight fair. He's relentless. He'll come after us over and over and over again. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's diabolical. He's that diabolical angel of light who comes in a thousand ways, tempting us to disobey the Lord. Well, did the Lord, did God say this? Surely he didn't mean it like that. You misheard. Isn't that where we are today? How many people, how many, you know, there's this guy that's making the rounds on social media. I don't know who he is or anything about him, but but, uh, I I really want to reach through the screen and just pop him upside the face. God forgive me. He is a preacher, a pastor of some place, and and he mocks, you know, uh, he, he mocks Christians. He says that our beliefs are wrong. He, he, he believes in, uh, again, very liberal. He believes that, uh, you know, you don't have to believe in Jesus to be a Christian. And, I mean, just some really off-the-wall stuff. And, and, and what I'm saying is he doesn't fight fair. He'll deceive. He'll use people as pawns. He'll do everything he can, tempting us to disobey the Lord. He's a lot, and here's the thing, he's a lot smarter than we are. That's something we have to acknowledge. We don't like to say that, but he is, he's much more wiser 
than we are. And I used to say this, uh, that we have to understand when it comes to the, the, the character traits of God, you know, the attributes of God, he's, he alone is omniscient, all-knowing. He alone is omnipresent, everywhere the same. He alone is omnipotent, all-powerful. He alone is immutable, uh, unchanging. The devil's not. And everybody say, you know, people say, well, then how in the world does he know how to, uh, well, listen, he's got history on his side. He's been around a long time. And we're not unaware of his devices. You can see it. His pattern has been set. And the pattern is still flowing today. He has history on his side. He understands. You know, that's why the Bible says, and this is kind of off the subject a little bit, but that's why the Bible says we're to rejoice in the trials and tribulations of life. Pardon me. In the trials and tribulations of life. Why? Because that's not a normal response. Think about it. If the enemy comes and punches us in one way, and the typical response is such, then, then again, he's going to hit us. But if we respond in a way that he's not programmed, it kind of throws him off a little bit. Does that make sense? Again, I think that's why the Bible tells us that we're to rejoice, you know, count it all joy, my friends, when you fall into. Again, these are not normal responses. You know, so he's not omniscient and omnipotent and, and all those other things. He's a created being. I saw a guy the other day talking about the fact that that the devil is not God's opposite. You, 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 you got under, he's not God's opposite. God, there is none like God. There is no other like. He is a created entity, a created being by God. He's not on par with him, never will be. Again, he's relentless in his attacks against us. He, he, he will hit us and do everything that he can. He, he's a lot smarter than we are. He knows our weaknesses and, and, and the points that he can poke, poke us better than we do. Because he dwells in the spiritual realm, he can attack us any time, day or night. So how do we develop that forward-leaning defense against the devil and his schemes? Well, let me give you a few things. Number one, first of all, you've got to recognize the battle. You'll be surprised at how many people today, believers, don't believe in a real devil. I'm, I'm talking about people who confess and profess Jesus. They don't believe in the real devil. They believe he's, a, he's a, a metaphor for everything that's wrong in our world. That's not what the Bible teaches. You know, so if I'm going to live with, according to the promise of victory over temptation, then I need to recognize, first of all, there's a battle. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, said, put on the what? The whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. What this means is we need to walk with the awareness that we're in a battle. And there are a lot of people that want to deny that. They want to deny this warfare. But the Bible teaches this ongoing conflict that you and I have on a daily basis with our adversary. You know, they used to have this saying, don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes. Well, that's not practical today in our warfare because, uh, you know, we're, we're fighting a spiritual enemy that we cannot see. Maybe this is why it's so easy to forget that we're in a battle and that they, you know, and then until the attack comes because we're, we're, we don't see it, we don't pay attention to it. But the reality is, if I'm going to live in victory over temptation, I've got to recognize that I'm in a battle, that I have an adversary who's gunning for me, and he's gunning for you and all who call on the name of the Lord. Uh, you know, one of the, early on in my, in my walk with the Lord, one of the things I've, I've shared with some of my prayers that I would pray to, to help me overcome some things. One of the prayers I used to pray 
uh, almost on a daily basis was I would go through Ephesians 6, and I would, I would name, anybody ever done that? I would name the armor, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes, the, 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 the belt of truth, the shoes that are shod with the preparation of gospel peace, the shield of faith, whereby I'm able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked one. You know, I would go through the list, and I would, I would, in my devotion time, every day I would say, Lord, now I put on the shoes that are shod with the preparation of the gospel. And I would just, I would armor myself up. Because for me, it was a very visual thing to think about, that I'm going to go out into the world, and there's going to be a battlefield. I'm going to go, and I'm going to meet people that are going to be antagonistic. I'm going to meet people that will push my buttons, and I want to walk in a way that reflects honor to you. And so I need to put this stuff on. Uh, uh, again, we, uh, Colossians, Paul writes in Colossians 4.2, it tells us that we are to be alert in prayer. Again, we are to pray with an awareness. We are to be alert in prayer. I mean, think about a soldier that's pulling guard duty at night. Everybody else is sleeping in, in, in their tents or wherever they might have pitched their, their, or bivouacked, wherever they might have been. But there's a guard who stays awake all night. You know why? Because the lives of his buddies depend on it. I think too often we act like we're a security guard on break at a mall when reality is we're a sentry that's walking the perimeter in a war zone. Ephesians 6.13 says we are to stand our ground. What does that mean? Having done all. Remember he said having done all to stand. We're to stand our ground. What does that imply? It implies combat. Hand-to-hand combat. You know, that was fun training <laughs> back in the day. Uh, I don't know that I would fare very well today, but it was always fun. But it, that was the implication. You stand your ground. You, you get ready to duke it out with him. You have an adversary. Put on the whole armor of God. Listen, nobody ever said being a Christian was easy. Any representation to the contrary is false and it's dangerous. We are in a battle. We're in a war. Regardless of what we might have been told, we're in the army now. Hoorah. We signed up for duty when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And unlike modern military units, you know, if you go and look at their MOS or in the Air Force, we had what they called the AFSC, Air Force Specialty Code. Same thing as the MOS. If you go look up the codes in the Air Force and you go look up the codes in the Army, there are going to be some careers that, were, that are what they call desk jockeys. There are going to be support roles. they are going to be the ones that stay behind in garrison. You know, when I, when I got switched, when I went into the military from being an air traffic controller to a combat specialty, I didn't know the Air Force had combat specialty. I thought the only thing they fought with was airplanes, <laughs> and I had to learn differently. You know, I went, but we had people that stayed behind. Even in my unit, we had, we had what we call admin, we had supply guys, uh, we had radio pr- r- repair guys. If we got deployed, they stayed behind. Can I tell you something? God's army doesn't have that. God's army doesn't have, it doesn't have uh, an MOS where I stay in garrison. God's army doesn't have an AFSC that allows me to stay back while the fighting force goes forward. We are in the army of the Lord. Together we are soldiers for Christ. And we're engaged in a battle. There's never a break. Now this is some bad news and sad news. There's never a break and leave is never granted. I always love to accumulate leave. I love to leave. <laughs> but in the army of the Lord, there's no, 
there's, there's no break and there's no leave. It's never granted. That's the bad news because you, you and I are under a 300 and we, we're under 24-7, 365-day assault. Satan doesn't sleep and we don't have the luxury of going to sleep spiritually. But the good news is God has provided everything we need necessary to fight the battles that we face. See, that's the great thing. He said, yes, the battle's relentless and the enemy is, he's dogged, uh, set on getting, you know, getting us, but, but we have everything we need. So the first thing, first step to living this promise of victory over temptation is recognize the battle. Number two, I, I think this is a good one here is proclaim his name, declare his name. It's kind of like the old preacher that said, if you're going to be a Christian, be one. I think that's pretty good advice. If you're going to, if you're going to be a Christian, be one. What, what does that mean? Well, it means that we need to make up our minds because a man who tries to have it in both ways, they're going to be destroyed. Compromise leads to destruction in the spiritual realm. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He said, therefore, anyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. I was interested to read in the early uh, in the early days of the Christian church, baptismal candidates. You know, today we want them to uh, acknowledge, obviously, you, bapt- you, you baptize after a born-again experience. It is, a, it is an outward representation of what Christ has done inside. I die as the old man. I come up resurrected in the new life in Christ. But in the old, early days of the church, the Christian church, baptismal candidates were asked. Here's what the question they asked them. Do you renounce the devil and all his works? That was the question. I don't know about you, but I, maybe, maybe, maybe we should start asking that now. Do you renounce the devil and all his works? You know, we all wonder sometimes how we would respond if our faith was ever put to the test. I did a series in, in this Wednesday night class many several years ago called I Am In. I Am In. The, the, the letter N was Arabic for Nusan. And it was a it was a it was a slight it was a slur, slur, <laughs> towards those Muslims who converted to Christianity. In a, in a, in, a, in an Islamic nation, if you become a Christian, if you survive, you're you're basically uh, excommunicated from the family from society. If you own a business, they will go and they will paint this. It looks like a U with a little dot. They'll paint that on the building, identifying you as a follower of the Nazarene. That's what it was. And it was about a, a six-week study that we did, and we looked at I had video clips of some of the modern martyrs. This, was, this would have been back during the time of the Fallujah, uh, Afghanistan, you know, that, that, the conflict, the war that was going on there. And there were people that shared their stories with the uh, voice of the martyrs about what was being done to them because they were Christian. And, and, and sometimes I wonder, uh, you know, would we have the courage or, of our conviction to live our faith if it was put to the test like that? And again, this is not, this is not about heaping guilt or anything on anybody. I just wonder sometimes. You know, if I'm going to identify, or excuse me, if I'm going to live up to the promise of victory over temptation, then the one thing I've got to do is I've got to be clear I'm a follower of Christ. He is Lord of all. As Alma had talked about, she said, when a person is born again, he's their Savior, 
But lordship comes through submission as we grow. I don't know. We have to, again, something to think about. If I'm going to live in victory over temptation, I have to settle the lordship issue. I can't waffle one foot in the world, one foot in the church, one foot leaning to the old man, one foot leaning to the new man. I can't do that. I've got to proclaim his name, say, yes, I belong to Jesus. Peter, go back to Peter when he was arrested and taken before that kangaroo court. What, remember, the, I mean, he's one of the things he's renowned for is because he can't even say when the, when, when the crowd said, you're one of them, you, you're, you're one of him, you're one of his. He couldn't even say, yeah, I belong to Jesus. Listen, I, 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 hate, I shudder to say this in, in America that I love so dearly. But there may be a day in the not-too-distant future where we're going to be called to account. Do you belong to Jesus or will you follow with, for a better society or a better world? Where's our conviction? If I'm going to live in victory, I can't waffle on where my loyalties lie. Number three, worship. Again, these are some of the strategies to help us uh, live that promise of victory over temptation. The third thing is worship. Listen, worship is a, how many realize worship is a powerful weapon of our warfare in the spirit realm? There's something incredible that happens. Uh, I, I love to hear, so, so my grandkids, you know, they, they'll go through the house and they'll sing. And, and they'll just, they'll just sit. You can, you can hear them. Uh, little Emmy was, I was sitting in the living room the other night watching TV, and she's sitting over here on the, on the, on the little love seat, and she got her headphones on, and she's just a singing away, you know, and of course, she can't hear how loud she is, and I mean, she's just, she just letting it loose, just singing, just singing, and I, I, I'm just sitting there, and I get a big grin on my face, and I, just, I love hearing them sing. There, there's some, what do they say? Music soothes the savage beast? You know, there's something powerful about worship. You know, the devil hates it when we sing. And, and here's the thing. You know, there's a lot of, there, there's been down through the years in the church, there's been a lot of debate about music and styles and things like that. I'm telling you, if, 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 we're, if songs exalt the name of Jesus, it's a devil-defeating music. It's devil-defeating. You know, there, there's something powerful about it. The devil hates it when we sing because godly music stirs us. Here's what it, it stirs us. It inspires us. It builds up our faith. When believers worship God, you know what he does? He shows up and he fills that place with his presence. And, and here's the reality. The enemy cannot dwell in heartfelt worship. We march into the enemy's camp. What's the song say? I went to the enemy's camp and I did what? I took back what he stole from me. That's the reality of what worship does. It, 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 it's a powerful thing. That's why, again, I, I often cite this, but, but Judah being the praise tribe, I mean, God oftentimes when the enemy, when Israel would go in to fight the battles, he would say, hey, put Judah first. Put Judah first. Lift up worship. Lift up praise. Magnify the name of the Lord because he inhabits the praise of his people. I can tell you my own personal experience. There have been many, many times when I felt defeated. There have been times when I felt alone. There were times that I felt hopeless. And you know what? And I began to worship. And you know what happened? The atmosphere changed. The atmosphere changed. I've shared this with you before, but it fits so perfect. Some of you remember Brother J.R. Fields, who passed away right at his 102nd birthday. My last plane ride before COVID was to Corpus Christi to celebrate his 100th birthday. And it was a big deal. You know, he was a Navy veteran, a, pa a preacher, just a good man. 
uh, he used to, we lived not too far from him when we, uh, first house we ever bought here in Cleburne. And, and it was so funny because he's probably in his upper 70s. And he'd come over when my son was young. He'd come over and said, can Dakota come and play? <laughs> and, you know, it was before my son started school. And he would take him back over. He had a workshop behind his house. And they would get in the wood shop. And they would build all kinds of things and play. Um, and uh, where was I going with that? See, I do that every time. Oh, yeah. So, so he, he and I used to go make hospital calls together. And you've heard me say this before, but, I mean, it illustrates so well. So, so he and I would go make hospital calls. And so one day we're, we're headed to Dallas to make a hospital call. And we get over, you know, that bridge going into to, uh, on 67 going into Alvarado. So, so we come over that bridge, and I got my music going, and we're talking about the goodness of the Lord. And my foot gets a little bit heavy. And, and I, I go past the speed limit. I'm not thinking anything about it. I go through the red light. I'm not a red light. I mean, I go through the lights. They were green. I get on the other side right before, I guess, the Sonic, and I see a friendly reminder in my rearview mirror. The lights are, woo, 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 you know, and I pull off to the side of the road, and the guy walks up to me. I roll the window down. He said, he said where are you going in such a hurry? I said, well, I said, you know, you got me. I said, I'm, I'm headed to, Fort, uh, to Dallas. I said, we're making a hospital call. And I said, uh, I said, we just were talking about the goodness of the Lord. I had my music going. And I said, my foot just got a little bit heavy. And he kind of had a smirk come on, a smile come on his face. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, preacher. He said, y'all be safe. And he said, turn the music down a little bit. <laughs> Maybe that'll help. <laughs> uh, there's just something about it. There's something about it. There are times when I, you know, maybe it's been a frustrating, I'll come in here, I, you know, we got a boom box out there now. I used to go up in the sound booth, and I turned the sound on, and I turned music on, and it, it just does something to you. It's a powerful thing. There, there have been times when I've showed up on a Sunday morning not feeling, not feeling it. You know, there's, anybody know what I'm talking about? You go because, you know, my wife said one time, I said, sweetheart, I don't feel like going today. She said, yeah, but you got to. You're the pastor. That's an old joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And over times I showed up and I just didn't feel it. But you know what? Once the body got together, once we started worshiping, clarity came, the joy came, fire was kindled in my spirit. It's powerful. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, he said that we're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And as we do that, we're singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. And through our singing, we honor God and we strengthen those around us. It's a powerful thing. Again, whether you're singing an old hymn or you're singing a modern chorus that we did last Sunday, it doesn't really matter. When you get together and you begin to magnify the name of the Lord, he inhabits or he lives by that praise. That is a formidable weapon that you and I have in our spiritual arsenal that can take out the enemy. Parents, listen, sing to your kids. Let them see, let them, let them see you worship. You know, we kind of got away from this before, uh, since covid uh, but but we're going to get back to it because I think it's important. You know, every month that had a fifth Sunday, I always wanted the kids to come in here. Always come in here. When, when, when Derek and Rebecca were our children's pastors for all those years, they would bring the kids in, and oftentimes kids would have a special song that they would sing. Some of you can remember that. I, I just think it's important. I think they need to see mom and dad with their hands up in the air. I think they need to see mom and dad saying amen to the preacher sermon. I think they need to see mom and dad in the altar kneeling down praying. I think they need to see and hear mom and dad worshiping. It's a powerful thing. Your parents sing to your children, your grandchildren. Make sure that, again, they're, they're watching you. Um, 
I can listen to them sing. I love it. Worship as a family. Here's what you do. You drive the devil nuts. <laughs> as you sing of the goodness of the Lord and you declare his name in song, God, God inhabits the praise of his people. And when you're immersed in, that, immersed in that lifestyle of praise, temptation doesn't have a hold on you. It doesn't have a hold. Again, we're talking about victory over temptation. When you immerse yourself in a lifestyle of worship, it has no hold. Number four, I, I don't spend a lot of time on this, but uh, mem- memorize the word of God. Well, that's a di- that, isn't that a dying art? You know, we used to, we used to do JBQ, uh, Bible quiz. You know, where children were, were taught. My, my daughter was an honor star in Missionettes. Uh, that's a program that used to run years ago. My son was a gold medal Royal Ranger. To, to be that, they had to learn, I don't know, you remember how many scriptures? A bunch. They had to, re- they had to learn chapters of scripture. Memorize. You know, Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus prayed in John 17 in that priestly prayer. He said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Teach them the New Living Translation. See, the word of God not only tells us how to live, it also gives us power to make the right choices. When I stand on the promises of God, then I can make the right choice and not fear the consequence. And that really shouldn't surprise us because, again, Psalm 119, verse 130 says, the entrance of your words gives light. The entrance of your words gives light. And number five, I've got to wrap this up. This is a good subject. We could spend a few weeks on this one. <laughs> Stay connected. Stay connected. Here's a, here's a truism. We cannot defeat the devil on our own. Just can't do it. That's why the New Testament has so many one another commands. I mean, have you ever thought about that? You know, we're told to love one another, pray for one another, serve one another, build one another up, encourage one another. There are a lot of one another uh, uh, scriptures in the Bible. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. You know, the devil loves to attack Christians who get separated from other believers. And I'll just say this, isolation is deadly for a believer. You know, people today, and you've heard me say this for years, people, people today get, go through something, and you can, you can tell because they, they tend to vacate the frequency in which they come to church, which is the opposite of what we should do. You know, you don't run from the resources that God has put there to help you. You run to it, and we do the opposite. But isolation, listen, it'll kill. Even in nature, even in nature, that strategy works. Again, go back to some of the nature shows. If you're watching a, 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 a herd of water buffalo or, or, or whatever, or maybe zebra, zebra, we don't want to say zebra, it's zebra. If, you, if you're watching these animals and you see those lions that are lurking, again, the Bible, you see these lions lurking, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for stragglers. They're looking for those who have isolated themselves from the rest of the herd, and then they pounce. That's exactly what the enemy does. Animals that are separated from the pack or the herd are easy prey for the predators. If he can get us alone, then we become a prime target for his attacks. Uh, in the military, they used to have a principle that illustrated this, and here's what the principle is. The way it's, here's the way they stated it in the military. Two is one, one is none, and if you are by yourself, you are done. <laughs> Think about it. Two is one. One is none, and if you're by yourself, you're done. What does that mean? What well, means when you go into battle, don't wander off on your own. 
don't wander off. I'm going to close with this. Several years ago, I was actually many longer than that. When you've been here 30 years, several years, it's probably 20 years ago. I was, uh, some of you remember Jadon George, who used to pastor Calvary Temple in Irving. I went with him to Nicaragua. He was, I was there on one assignment from the, from the district. He was there uh, to film. They were going to go down and do a big crusade in Managua, Nicaragua. I was there for another reason, but anyway, I went with him. And so we're there, and we go into this, um, we go into this, this uh, kind of like a flea market area. And so everywhere, he, he's interviewing some people. He's got his camera crew there, and they're filming. And again, they're basically pr- building promotional material for this upcoming crusade that they're going to do. And so I'm, I'm just part of the crowd there. I'm just standing there watching this scene. And, you know, I have ADD, so I had to not stand there too long. So I started kind of walking around. And I noticed there were some locals that kind of shadowed me. Wherever I went, there were a couple guys that were following me. Finally, one of them came over to me, and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I would suggest that you get back over with the group. He said, because this is a very dangerous area. He said, there's some people here that if they catch you off by yourself, he said, they'll drag you behind one of these uh, tents, they'll slit your throat, and they'll take everything you have. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I don't, don't tell me twice. <laughs> I went back to the group. That's a point. Don't wander off. Stay with the group. Stay with the body. Listen, we'll be in big trouble. We need to stick together. Again, if I'm going to defeat temptation, it's nice to know that I have somebody who has my six. You know, one of the things that I, I miss about the military and I love very much is there were guys that I built a relationship with. We were comrades that I knew had my sex. Didn't matter what was going on. If, 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 if I got in tr- There's still some today I could call right now, live different parts of the country. They would be here as quick as they could get here. I love that. That's the way we need to be in the body of Christ. We need to have each other's back. We need to know. Don't try to fight the devil alone. Stay tight with the brothers and sisters because two is one, one is none, and if you fight the devil by yourself, you're done. We need each other. Listen, as I close tonight, we are at war with an enemy that's far stronger than we are. And he'll come at us with every weapon that he has at his disposal. But God promised that he can't do us in. And we have, and the second thing to leave with you, we have a Savior who is far stronger. In and of myself, I can't do it. But when I anchor in him, He's no match for my God. Don't you stand with me tonight. He is the undisputed. Jesus is the undisputed champion of the world. Not even a close second. Satan is not. I want you to bow with me as we close in prayer. If you're online tonight, if you'll comment. Again, these are some, just some strategies to help us live that testimony. Maybe you're here tonight and say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need to work on that in my life. I need to have that resolve. You think about Joseph. Joseph, the only reason he was able to do what he did when, when Potiphar's wife came after him was that he had already determined. He had already made arrangements that he would never defile his God. It was an easy choice. When she propositioned him and grabbed his cloak, he said, uh-uh, and out the door he went. He left it. If he can do it, we can do it.
Maybe you're here tonight and say, you know, Pastor, pray for me. I need to develop some of those strategies regarding temptation. You know, again, it, it doesn't have to be a sexual temptation. It could be anger. It could be uh, attitude. Any number of things that we're tempted to do that dishonor God. If there's just some areas of your life. Say, Pastor, I need to develop those strategies. Just slip in right, right back down. I'm going to pray with you. Amen, amen. If you're online tonight, if you'll, if you'll comment, I want to pray with you as well. Father, tonight, thank you for your word. Thank you for victory. Lord, we're not living lives uh, from defeat to defeat, but we are from victory to victory. Because, Lord, with you, there, all things are possible. And, Lord, there is no God like you. You've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and stretched out arm, and nothing is too difficult for you. Lord, you said we're to resist the devil, and he must flee. So, Lord, give us that, Lord, that inner resolve that we will not defile our, your name. We will not... Uh, mar your reputation, Lord. We will stand strong in our faith and represent you, Lord. And when we fall, we get back up and we keep trying. Father, may we recognize tonight that it's not a sin to be tempted. Uh, Lord, it's not. But we don't have to give in to it. That's when it becomes sin. So, Lord, help us to put on that helmet of salvation and help us to take up that shield of faith whereby we're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Help us to put on the, 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 the breastplate of righteousness and the girdle of truth and the shoes that are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Lord, help us to arm ourselves with the sword of the spirit of your word. Lord, to be able to fight against the lies that the enemy throws at us. Father, may we be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might by putting on that spiritual armor. Now, Father, I ask you to go with us tonight. Give us a great night, a great restful night. Bring us on Sunday. Lord, even now, ordain what you're going to do. Bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west that need an encounter with you. Lord, bring, uh, Lord, set people free. Uh, Lord, break chains, unloose prison doors. Uh, Lord, I ask you to give us a great night tonight. May we wake up tomorrow with that spring in our step and a song in our heart. Lord, as we go about our day, singing the praises of the one who loved us enough to give it all for us. I love and bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online tonight. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. Stay.